Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. Go Latham. It is Friday, October 4th, 2019. Welcome to the Midwest Farm Report. We have got you for the next 55 minutes riding farm news all the way up until 6 a.m. Thank you so much for joining us. Our good friend Scott Schultz up at the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire has a story ahead in just a few moments about farm buildings and the engineering behind them. We've got continued World Dairy Expo coverage. And then Pam Yonke sits down with Damon Smith to talk about Wisconsin soybeans. Again, happy Friday. Thanks for tuning in. And for the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh. Scramlin. Scott Schultz is up next. Someday, everyone will have an energy-efficient tankless water heater and an endless supply of hot water. Benjamin Plumbing is now an A-certified dealer of Renai Tankless Water Heaters, the number one selling tankless water heater in North America. Renai Tankless Water Heaters are up to 40% more efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot all day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Go tankless. Endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. It's 3 a.m. Your home is freezing. No, it's not your furnace. It's your empty propane tank that your provider forgot to fill. Don't let this become your reality. Contact the propane experts at Insight FS. Ask them about their tank monitoring program that gives you 24-7 access to your tank levels. Insight FS also offers convenient contracting or budget billing programs. Don't get left in the cold. Let Insight FS bring the heat. Visit InsightFS.com for a propane expert near you. Reba McClone here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And Scott, it's starting to get a little cooler out, which is nice. But when you think about it, that means winter is coming. And last winter, there were a lot of issues with building collapses. I know my family had one happen. And luckily, it was a machine shed and most of it got figured out and nobody was hurt and no animals were hurt. But there's a lot that kind of goes into it that maybe we don't know about. That's right, Reba. Scott Schultz on the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. You know, many farm buildings sustained structural damages and collapses from snow loads during the past couple of years. And, well, questions are being raised about how well engineered some of those farm buildings are. Aaron Halberg, an engineer and post-frame building engineering specialist from Hayward, is saying that farm building construction is a buyer beware situation for farmers. And he notes that farm buildings are exempt from engineering standards that are required for all residential and commercial and public buildings in general in the state. He said he isn't advocating that standards are regulated by law, but that farmers are aware of those standards where matters such as snow loads and wind resistance are concerned. Halberg spoke recently at a UW Extension Farm Building Structural Meetings I attended in Buffalo County, and I asked him how we can be smarter when it comes to new farm building projects. You know, I think our farm buildings have changed a lot since I was a kid. I'm I'm 46 now, but our dairy buildings today are much bigger. They're being used for much larger operations than they were in the past. 
their sizes increased uh, structural structural stresses on those buildings has gone up a lot and you know I, I think we just have maybe gradually gotten bigger and bigger with our ag buildings and and our building technology has improved a lot as well but you know obviously we were here in buffalo county and they had a lot of failures this past winter um, and that's why we're here so we're just trying to spread the message that we we have an opportunity to design a building properly once and that's when it's built um Buildings need to be maintained, and they can be fixed along the way when damage happens, but really the opportunity to build a strong building is at the outset. And I don't know if, I don't know if all the farmers understand uh, or the builders even understand how much design really needs to go into a building to make sure that all of the, all of the links in the chain, as I talk about it, um, all the links in the chain are analyzed from a load perspective so that there is no weak link in a chain that's going to get exposed next winter when they have a lot of snow on them. You're a design engineer, a post-design building engineer. You do a lot of consulting in egg buildings. There is a difference between working as an engineer and working as a building designer. What are those differences and why are those differences important? Yeah, that's a great point, and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because I think a lot of people will come up with a need for a building, and they'll look for help getting that building designed and drawn up, and a lot of times what they may get is they may get great help from their local lumberyard. They may have a, a, a designer, a quote-unquote designer, or a drafting technician who really does a good job of taking their ideas and putting them on paper. They're probably using computers now, not, not the hand-drawn, and they're making uh, computer drawings of their building look really nice and in most cases they're really providing a great service but just because you have a drawing uh, from the local lumberyard that that looks great and reflects everything that you want the building to look like when it's done it doesn't necessarily mean that an engineer has gone through and looked at that building to make sure that the members are sized correctly that the connections are done properly and I, I guess one point I brought up here with the with the farmers we talked to today is you know really understanding what professional engineers can provide and and in my work my work culminates with an engineered document which is going to have my engineering seal on it it's going to have my signature and date that I that I provide the work on and that's really something that that shows that a professional engineer has looked at this and they're taking responsibility to the extent of everything that's on that drawing should be reviewed by the engineer and they're standing behind it. Just having a nice drawing on on some big printed paper doesn't necessarily mean they have an engineered building. You're not necessarily advocating work for yourself the way you present this. You're saying that we have to understand things like the snow load per square foot and Maybe we don't know that. If you ask me what my snow load per square foot on various buildings around my farm are, I would have no idea, and chances are I can find no documentation for that. You know, as an engineer talking to a room full of uh, farmers and insurance agents and lenders, it's it's a little bit embarrassing because I feel like the engineers should be able to provide clarity and simple answers to a lot of situations, but in many respects, it's a complicated issue. And if they don't have, I guess going back to that sealed document, if they don't have an engineer's document that shows what the design loads are and that engineer's seal that says, yes, this building will resist those loads, how would they know? And I guess what I was hoping to provide today is just some reassurance that there is this knowledge out there. We do understand, for the most part, we understand what snow and wind loads should be designed uh, for, like what what kind of wind loads and snow loads they're going to experience for this area. 
but just because we know that doesn't mean it always gets incorporated into each project. And so I'm, I'm hoping that by being here, I can help raise the awareness of the farmers and the builders who are going forward with their next ag project. Not necessarily that they hire me or even a professional engineer, but they should know what an engineer could provide. And they should know um, if they decide not to to go that route and hire an engineer, that they're at least looking at the same types of questions and looking at their building so that it really is designed properly. My grandpa used to say that a big compliment about something was that it was strong like a bull and smart like a tractor. And, you know, I think we want, we want our buildings to be strong. Obviously, we want them to be strong. And with as big and as complicated as the building systems are today, we need to be smart like a tractor, too, in the way that we approach them and try to, try to utilize the latest design standards and engineering technology, design technology to, to get that information built into our buildings from the outset. Caveat emptor, tell me about that. Caveat emptor, I believe, is the Latin phrase, which means buyer beware. And I believe because we are the dairy state, we are focused on farms and farm families in, in our uh, tradition, that we have given a lot of leeway to family farms in the past by exempting farm buildings from having to comply with the commercial building code, which is great from a freedom standpoint. They, it, it saves farmers red tape, I suppose they think. It, it saves them cost. But it also means that if they're not required to comply with the law, it's kind of up to them to decide what type of building, how strong of a building they, they want to build, what sort of specifications it needs to meet. So I brought up this idea of caveat emptor today just to say, you know, if the marketplace is really built around this idea of buyer beware, are you aware? You know, are, are we being aware of all of the decisions that are you're free to make or not make? But you should understand those decisions. Even if you decide not to do anything about it, you should at least understand what decisions are important to the to the strength of your building and to to your next project so i tried tried to raise that awareness level today and hopefully for your listeners they understand that it's great if you don't have to comply with a building code from a freedom of responsibility you might think but really the the building owner i think ultimately becomes responsible for the strength and, and the the quality of that building we're exempted from building codes out here in the farm country but there still are standards and those standards are available to be looked at and they tell you what again the snow load or the structural integrity and winds might be that commercial people use in designing their building and residential people use in designing their buildings you don't have to meet a code but you're saying hey those standards are there look at the standards and maybe understand what you want that building to be structurally sound wise that's exactly right i mean you said it very well. I, th- I think the, um, the standard that I talked about today is really based on the American Society of Civil Engineering standard, which is known as ASCE 7. And that standard contains the latest accepted content for what snow and wind loads should be on all buildings. And it really is intended to be all buildings, whether they fall under a building code or not. But the, the reality is that standard really only gets enforced when it's adopted by a building code. Now, our farm buildings being exempt from the building code, I think in practice that standard is ignored quite a bit. Not always. Uh, There's some builders out there that are using that standard on all buildings, and I think that's great. And that's really what I was trying to promote today is if there's a standard out there that says these are the minimum snow loads and wind loads for any building, and here's here's a couple levels that you can choose to enforce this at, 
um, you should be aware enough to know that that's the case and when you're buying your next building, make an informed consent type of a decision to say, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with the risk category one building, which I talked about today. It's, it's kind of the lowest, the minimum lowest level for buildings that probably don't have people in them and they're just basically for unoccupied storage. Or do you want a risk category two, which would be kind of the, the next level up and, and the more normal level where you have people inside of those buildings at times that you wouldn't want the building falling down. And I think in reality that, that reflects the current state of operations for many dairy facilities and, and farm facilities throughout the state today. Maybe, uh, you know, somebody mentioned generations gone by, they maybe milk twice a day, once in the morning, once at night. They weren't in the barn more than a couple hours a day. But I don't think that's necessarily the case. Sometimes we're designing for unoccupied buildings, if, if even that, when really we've got, we've got employees and valuable animals and other assets inside those buildings 24-7. That snow load that we get every year is different not only from region to region, but from season to season. Absolutely, and you've been in Wisconsin. You've, you've seen it yourself. Anybody that's been in Wisconsin for more than two, three winters knows that our, our winters vary widely. The standard gives us a guideline based on historical data, but yeah, I mean, you said it well. There's, there's no reason to say that you can't exceed that and try to, try to give yourself a little extra insurance against what might happen in the next 25 winters or 50 winters. Whatever you think the lifespan of that building is, you don't want to set up the capacity of that building based on the average case of the last 25 or 50 years. You want it to be able to handle that worst case winter for the lifespan of that building. And who knows? I mean, I don't want to get into the weather debate, but we've seen winters cycle from heavy snow winters, I'm going to say, when I was a kid back in the 70s and 80s, to maybe we had some low snow winters in the 90s, early 2000s, but it seems like we're getting back into heavier snow winters again. So don't design for the best case scenario and then have to panic and try to deal with what reality is giving you. Peace of mind in the pillow factor. That's Aaron Halberg, post design engineer and engineer from the Hayward area. I'm Scott Schultz on the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Another rig your ride idea from Madison Auto Trim. No doubt, long term exposure to road salt can really eat up a car. You never want your vehicle to get the nickname Winter Beater, Clunker, or Rust Bucket. Madison Auto Trim will rust-proof your vehicle and protect it from road salt exposure, acid rain, and other corrosive materials. Madison Auto Trim and Accessories. Affordable luxury you deserve to have. Improve what you already got and rig your ride with Madison Auto Trim. The fabulous farm babe Pam Yonke wants to turn your baby into a fabulous farm baby. Go online now to fabulousfarmbabe.net. Check out those adorable baby bibs and sign up to get yours absolutely free. Thanks to the wonderful folks at Quick Trip. Supplies are extremely limited, so don't delay. Log on now, fabulousfarmbabe.net. Here's a chance to turn your baby into a fabulous farm baby. If you need to know about farming, then you need to know Pam Yonke. This is the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Josh Granlin filling in for Pam Yonke on a Friday morning. It is 520, and I always say right around 520 a.m. Every single weekday, we are joined by ag meteorologist Stu Muck, and he joins us live right now via Skype. Stu, good morning. How are you? 
Good morning, Josh. I'm doing really fine. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. When I was heading into the studio this morning, I'm wearing shorts, and I don't think this morning was the uh, day to wear shorts. You might be right. <laughs> you, you might be right about that one. But, but overall, Josh, I tell you what, today is probably going to be the best day for World Dairy Expo that we've had. I expect we're going to be talking about some sunshine, and that's really nice to see. And those temperatures, yeah, they aren't going to be spectacular, but aren't all that far away from normal. Keep in mind, normal 64 at Madison, 65 at La Crosse. Oh, we'll be in the upper 50s today. But for once, there's no rain in the forecast. In fact, high pressure is just off to our north, and the radar is showing the closest rain in Kansas Other than that, things have dried out. We ought to enjoy a fine day without that rain. But low pressure is building in from the Pacific Northwest. There are some showers out in uh, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, into western Montana. That low is expected to move right east, right on into the Rockies, right on into the Dakotas by late today and into tomorrow. Head from the Dakotas off toward the far northern edge of Minnesota and up into Canada. It will then extend a cool front our way, and that's when that rain chance, yes, I have to say rain, builds in something i'd expect we see for saturday or into saturday night for a lot of us most likely in that half to three quarter inch range and there are going to be some spots with over an inch of rain as that cold front slides through oh there's not another arctic blast i guess that's a highlight because by sunday sunshine returns and we stay a little closer to normal and a little drier and warmer as we head into the early parts of next week i'll have the forecast right after this I bet many of you don't even know that Wisconsin's got a school of veterinary medicine right there on the UW-Madison campus. Sometimes if you don't need that resource, you don't realize it's there. That's the way it was for Jody. Her dog Piper came down with an emergency gastrointestinal problem, and she needed help right away. And she turned to the UW School of Veterinary Medicine. I called them immediately knowing that I could get through to somebody and they pretty much walked me through it. And that alone just put me at ease. So I called back probably 15 minutes later and said, I'm on my way. Fortunately, that emergency after our visit to the UW School of Veterinary Medicine was productive. Today, Jody is a strong advocate for the UW School of Veterinary Medicine and their expansion project. My name is Jody, and I'm the mom to my dog, Piper. I 100% support the building project for the UW School of Veterinary Medicine, and I hope you will too. It's a gem for Wisconsin. You can help. Go to AnimalsNeedHeroes2TOO.com for more. Joined by Ag Meteorologist Stu Muck live via Skype. It's 523 on the clock right now. And Stu, you said today's going to be a pretty good day for World Dairy Expo. No rain in the forecast. What's the weekend looking like? for Saturday, but by Sunday, back to sunny skies and the sunshine and dry conditions not only come out for Sunday, but right on into next week, all the way through Wednesday, I would expect. Let's back it up a little today. Partly sunny skies could even become more sunny now and again. Upper 50s, about 58 or 59, the warmest we'll see. And the north winds, 5 to 10, they become west of it later on. Overnight skies again become mostly cloudy, falling to the mid-40s with an east wind at 5. A slight chance of a shower, lacrosse or Boston, really late tonight. Otherwise, cloudy Saturday, showers, even an afternoon thunderstorm as possible temps still up around 57 or so and the southeast winds 5 to 15 they gust to 25 the rain chance lasts into saturday night overall rain amounts most likely in that half to near three quarters of an inch range could be some one inch amounts with a thunderstorm but that should be about the extent and then by sunday 
mostly sunny, right around 60 with the west wind at 5 to 10. Sunny in upper 50s on Monday. So a couple of better days coming up next week, Josh. I think we can all look forward to it. All right. Thank you so much, Stu, and you have a good weekend, okay? You too. All right. That's Ag Meteorologist Stu Muck joining us live via Skype. It's Josh Scramlin. Continued World Dairy Expo coverage is up next. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Welcome to the Middleton Farmers Cooperative, powered locally since 1928. Your cooperative, serving the community with two Senex convenience stores, Do It Best Hardware Center, Feed Mill offering Vita Plus products, Agronomy Center, and Blue Dolphin Car Washes. Become a member today. Visit us on Pleasant View Road or University Avenue in Middleton or online at middletoncoop.com. Be our neighbor. Become a member. The Middleton Farmers Cooperative, your cooperative. Stop by the Do It Best Center in Middleton and check out Grandpa Ray's Outdoor Products for nutrition and food plots that are natural and innovative. Also, check out Wags Hunting Scents for the freshest whitetail scents on the market. Wags keeps it simple. Be our neighbor. Become a member. The Middleton Farmers Cooperative, your cooperative. I was on my second tour of combat duty when I got injured. After extensive rehab and learning how to use a wheelchair, I started looking for an apartment. But many units had steps and narrow doorways. I fought for freedom and thought I would be free to choose where I live. My husband and I are blessed with two young children. Recently, we thought we had found the perfect apartment online. But the listing said no children. Our dream was to have a family. But now that we've found our dream home, we're being denied because we are a family. After the phone interview, we assumed the apartment was ours. But when we showed up, the manager was quick to say it's no longer available. These individuals all experience some form of housing discrimination. If it happens to you, know what to do. Be informed and aware of your rights. The only way to stop housing discrimination is to report it. Take action and visit hud.gov slash fairhousing. Or call HUD's Housing Discrimination Hotline at 1-800-669-9777. A public service message from HUD in partnership with the National Fair Housing Alliance. Thank you to everybody that made it to our free travel show. It looks like you want to join me in Panama and Costa Rica to kick off the new calendar year. Pam Yankee here. Our next farm adventure, January 4th through the 13th. We're visiting Costa Rica and Panama. We want to come along? We've got a brand new tool for you to be able to learn more about the trip. All you need to do is jump online. HolidayVacations.com. Enter keyword Pam. And they've got special online video presentations to show you some of the sites that we'll be enjoying on the trip. And that includes, of course, Doka Coffee. We'll visit Corso Dairy and learn a little bit about agriculture in Costa Rica. There's Arnal Volcano National Park, Monteverde Cloud Forest Reserve. Then it's on to Panama, where we'll not only enjoy a full transit on the Panama Canal, but we'll also get a chance to visit with the indigenous population that still make that region their home. Call Holiday Vacations toll-free, 800-826-2266, and join me on this Costa Rica-Panama trip. Shop I-39 Supply in any weather. I-39 Supply's huge indoor showroom and over 200 trailers in stock. Yeti coolers, Vortex optics, and Zero Four outdoor hunting blinds. I-39 Supply, trailer service and more, I-39Supply.com. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. We hear you. You need a new bathroom. 
Ganser Company is proud to introduce 80 Years in 80 Minutes. Simply put, you need real information and pricing so you can make a good decision and spend your precious time with your family and friends, not contractors failing to call you back, taking weeks to get you an estimate, or the high-pressure sales pitch you dread. Our 80 Years of Hindsight for 80 Minutes of Your Time. We give you the skinny in 80 minutes to make an educated decision. Bath Planet acrylic tubs and showers are the only bath systems that have the good housekeeping seal of approval. What that means is no more scrubbing grout lines, unsightly stains, leaky faucets, or using harsh chemicals. No more hiding your outdated and maybe embarrassing bathroom. So call today, 608-222-1243, or stop into our showroom and see the Bath Planet experience. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. It's that simple. Dancer, that's the answer. Here at Prairie Estates Genetics, we provide dairy farmers with high-quality silage minus the risks. You see, by combining our next-gen seed and next-gen forage management services, we're able to help dairy farmers improve harvest consistency, feed consistency, and milk production consistency. So why not do the same for your farm? Visit prairieestatesgenetics.com and see how you can make next year's harvest your best one yet. Prairie Estates Genetics, the future of forage is here. I'm Matt Damon. I'm Zachary Levi. I'm Uzo Aduba. Join Major League Baseball and Stand Up to Cancer as we stand in honor of all loved ones affected by this disease. Visit standuptocancer.org slash MLB. Stand up with us. Rob, uh, go to the Packers side of the ball. Obviously, the big story is Devontae Adams, and is he here? Is he not going to play? The Packers have been very quiet. You know, you had Adam Schefter reporting a couple days ago that he's not going to play. I mean, what's your gut tell you? I mean, obviously, Green Bay would be silly to, to come out right now and say he is or not playing. You want Dallas to try and prepare for him, even if he's not. What, what's your gut tell you? And, and if he doesn't play, I mean, is this a lingering thing? Is it just a pain threshold thing? Like, obviously, the offense runs through him, certainly the passing offense. Like, what, what, what do you think is going to happen with Adams going forward? It just it seems like the perfect game for him to rest and, and try to get healthy. Joe, I, you know, I think Green Bay was a long shot to win this game with or without Adams, and and then you come back with a pair of home games that, that you really have to win because the schedule intensifies. You, you, you go to the Chiefs, you go to the Chargers uh, before your bye with, with really tough back-to-back road games against AFC West teams. Uh, my gut, Joe, tells me he will not play, and, and they'll try to get him back on the field uh, for week six. What is that, the Lions, and then week seven? Uh, against the Raiders, two very winnable games in, in your own building. I just, it's it's going to be a pain threshold, and Adams' pain threshold is incredibly high, guys. This, this is a, this is a tough player, but Joe, I think no matter what they do and how much rest, unless it's a total off season, I think this is going to linger, and we're going to be talking about this all year with Devontae Adams. These turf toes just just don't go away. They'll they'll come up with something creative inside his shoe there to to kind of limit the pain. My guess is they'll shoot him up pretty good. Uh, before the game to try to try to take away some of that pain but the bottom line is it's going to linger it's going to it's going to have an effect on Devontae Adams Um, he's so terrific guys at running the entire route tree there's almost there's almost nothing he can't do and a route he can't run as a wide receiver my guess is with with so much twisting and turning and cutting that Adams does in the course of the game they, they may have to take some of some of his standard routes or his, his dominant routes out of the route tree. I mean, we'll see, I guess, as, as that unfolds. But, uh, but Joe, just specifically to Sunday, my guess is you won't see him, and, and they'll try to get him right for that Monday night game, I think, on the 14th. 
All right, Robbie. So I saw that um, Jake Kumaro, who was inactive for two weeks, was a full participant in yesterday's practice. Obviously, Devontae Adams did not practice. Is 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 Whitewater Jesus or Marquez Valdez Scantling or and then Aaron Rodgers very complimentary of Jimmy Graham after practice yesterday, saying that he's going to have you know a breakout game essentially. Do you buy any of that? Who's the guy that's going to be having the breakout you know game here, in your opinion, if there is one? Yeah, it's a good question, Evil. I don't know if it's just going to be one guy. I think this is. I think this does have to be one of those games where where Rodgers does spread the ball around and and he throws to whoever is open. It, it can't be an Eagles type of game, guys, where where he's throwing the ball ten times to Adams in the first quarter or whatever that was. You know, the other night where they said, "Hey, we got to get Devontae going," and they forced fed him the ball. They they're not going to have anybody of that caliber or quality on on the field. So I, I think it's got to be a group effort when it's all said and done. I mean, you might. You might get five catches from Jones and five from Valdez Scantling and, and four from Graham and and then kind of trickling down a couple from from all the other guys on you know kind of in that pass catching core. Evil, you know, the only good thing that could come from this, I mean, you guys remember back in the Super Bowl year of '96 when Brooks went down and Freeman went down and, and guys like that. Other people always have to step up and and they did back on that championship team that the Packers had and Favre spread the ball around and. He really got his tight ends involved there with Tremura and Jackson. And, and Rodgers is going to have to do something similar. This young receiving group where we've been seeing all offseason, we, we keep pounding on the fact there's no legitimate number two who's going to step up and help Adams. Well, now is their chance. Somebody, somebody's got to step up. I mean, it, it's time. You, you don't have far and away your best player, one of the best eight receivers probably in football, and, and it's time for some of these guys to step up. And, and they're going to get some answers moving forward then of, of, you know, who is a legitimate two, who is a legitimate three to run next to Adams. So I, I think long-term guys, um, you know, they, they could take some positives from this, but obviously for Sunday, if, if indeed Adams doesn't go, it's, it's, it's going to be a tough hill to climb. All right, uh, prediction time, Mr. Reichel. You called it last week with the uh, the Eagles pulling the upset. Uh, this time the Packers a three-and-a-half, four-point underdog. How do you see Sunday playing out? Yeah, I'd give the points. Um, I think Dallas covers that, Joe. I, I, I'm going to go like 27-17, and Green Bay might even get a late score to make that to 17. I, I, again, just on paper, it's such a tough matchup. I, I think Dallas is going to control the ball. And the clock. I, I think Rogers will find some success eventually. It's Josh Gramlin for the Midwest Farm Report. We have got today and tomorrow. That is all that is left of World Dairy Expo 2019. Thanks so much for keeping up with our coverage of Expo all week long. And between the radio and our social media, Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook, and then our website, MidwestFarmReport.com, we have been doing our best to bring you a variety of everything that's happening. Talking to exhibitors, talking to vendors, talking to elected officials, talking to farmers. Uh, But one story that we felt was really important and we hadn't hit on it yet was the famous grilled cheese stand at World Dairy Expo. Now, when I was in the media room yesterday, I was looking out as uh, I was doing markets and writing stories for the website. And it just seemed as though it was this constant line of people, this long, long line. Because they're such delicious grilled cheese sandwiches. So so we thought that it would be fun to send Caitlin Riley, our former Alice in Dairyland and part of the Midwest Farm Report in La Crosse, over to the grilled cheese stand and talk to some of the employees. So she talked to Emma Gwitt and Zach Service. And with that being said, Caitlin, take it away. We're at the grilled cheese stand at World Dairy Expo. And this is kind of a staple food supply for people. Tell me a little bit about the crowds you've seen coming in. 
It's been pretty steady. I mean, we were open Monday, but obviously grounds isn't open Monday, so it was mostly just people around the uh, barns coming in. But last few days, it's been very steady, flying past the uh, doors of the tent. Tuesday and Wednesday, it was a nonstop line. I'd say we sold more on what Wednesday, but when FFA was here, it was a very busy day on Tuesday as well. Do you have any projected numbers for how many grilled cheese sandwiches you think you'll go through, or do you know about how many pounds of cheese you expect to go through? Um, based on previous sales, we're expecting 35,000 to 40,000 sandwiches sold, along with 10 to 15,000 shakes. And tell me a little bit about the specialty cheeses, because this is something you guys are changing it up every day, a new type of specialty cheese. What is the feedback then on that, and where are you getting those cheeses from? Yeah, Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin sources all of those for us. The uh, They source them from different creameries around the state of Wisconsin. And uh, today on... Today's the uh, today's Hordes Dairyman's uh, Port Salut style Bel Air cheese. That is the flavor of the day. So yesterday was Colby Caliente from well, I can't recall where they're from. Arena cheese. Arena cheese. Yeah, yeah. And Nasonville Dairy gave us uh, Buffalo Wing Jack on Monday, on Tuesday. I mean, so they're from all over the place. They're all different, all different types of flavors, all different all different consistencies when they're on a sandwich so they are a big hit because people do love things that are different from your staple american and swiss sandwiches and on friday you can look forward to cheddar gear and on saturday uh bacon, bacon cheddar. cheddar from ellsworth creamery and what's it mean to you guys when you can showcase that Midwest Dairy Pride with people who are coming from almost 100 countries? You have international guests coming here to eat some of Wisconsin's finest grilled cheese. Um, it gives me a sense of pride, especially coming from the Midwest and growing up on a, dairy, on, on a dairy farm. It feels good to be promoting the dairy industry, especially when there has been some hard economic times in recent years. And we've kind of forgot the most important thing. These funds for the grilled cheese stand, they go to good causes. you want to tell me a little bit about where these proceeds go and what they'll be used for through the university? So the stand benefits Badger Dairy Club and Collegiate Farm Bureau at University of Wisconsin-Madison. This is really the only fundraising either of the clubs have to do all year to support everything that we do from the donations we make to the trips that we go on and the different outreach events that the club does to uh, get the get the club's name out there and just promote dairy around the university campus as well. That was Grilled Cheese Stand employee Zach Service along with fellow employee Emma Gwitt and that was Caitlin Riley, our former Allison Dairyland and member of the Midwest Farm Report out of La Crosse conducting that interview. Thank you so much for that, Caitlin. Continued World Dairy Expo coverage and a look at your opening markets are just minutes ahead, so stay tuned to the Midwest Farm Report. And I'm Josh Scramlin on a Friday morning. Simple question. Do you enjoy making firewood? Does your whole family run towards the truck when you say you're headed to the woodlot? I'm guessing not. I'll tell you what, it's a chore that's got to be done. Why not make it easier on yourself and your family? My buddies at McFarland's are here to help. They've got sawdust days going on now through October 6th. Sale deals on trimmers, blowers, chainsaws from steel and husqvarna, all kinds of different models. They also have brave log splitters that are on sale, both the horizontal or vertical setup. Now, talk about making a job go easier. How about a brand new chainsaw? How about a log splitter to make things move smoothly? But remember, the deal only goes through October 6th. 
remember, if you've already got a chainsaw, they've got deals for you. Buy one Steeler Husqvarna chainsaw chain, get the second one for half price. They've also got 15% off all steel and Husqvarna accessories, the bar oils, mix oils, and all the safety equipment. Check it out yourself. 7080 Carolina Street in the heart of Sauk City, McFarland's. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to Cleary Building Corp. They protect what you value. Visit clearybuilding.com to see the Cleary difference. Equity Livestock Cooperative. Marketing your livestock, financing your operation, and supporting the livestock community. And Wisconsin Farm Bureau is celebrating 100 years as the state's largest general agriculture organization. Join now at wfbf.com. It's about 20 minutes to the top of the hour. I'm Josh Scramlin for the Midwest Farm Report. We'll take a look at your opening markets, but first I want to get to some continued World Dairy Expo coverage, or rather something that is taking place at World Dairy Expo, as dairy producers in Wisconsin will continue their efforts towards a dairy supply management system, even if Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue doesn't necessarily support the idea. A dairy farmer posed the question of supply management to the secretary during a town hall meeting at World Dairy Expo earlier in the week. And Purdue replied, I don't think in America that's the way we need to go. Well, that's not the answer Wisconsin Farmers Union President Darren Von Ruden was hoping for. Yeah, it was uh, really disheartening. It's one of those things we continue to talk about, the oversupply that we have of all commodities. Why are we not trying to figure out a way to balance that supply and demand and whether farms have to cut back a percent or two percent on each farm to make it fair to all? That would be the only way that this could work. However, Von Ruden says work towards supply management will continue. Having the secretary say no doesn't mean that we have to stop. What farmers want and what we can achieve is something that we ourselves have to do. Von Ruden also says changing policy requires a process that takes time. If we get to a point where we get legislation enacted through the U.S. House and U.S. Senate or even in state legislatures to push the U.S. House and Senate to do things, that's what we got to do. We're a small group of people, but we're determined, and I think we'll get there eventually. It's just not going to happen overnight. That's Darren Von Ruden, Wisconsin Farmers Union President. Thank you so much to Brian Winnikin of Duran for that audio. And continuing with dairy news, more than 22,000 dairy farmers enrolled in the new Dairy Margin Coverage Program, paying out more than $300 million this year. The National Milk Producers Federation says none of the assistance would have occurred under the old Margin Protection Program. The DMC program replaced MPP in the 2018 Farm Bill. Monthly milk price and feed cost margins so far in 2019 have been above the $8 per hundredweight coverage cutoff that existed under MPP, but below the new $9.50 per 100-weight coverage limit under DMC. An analysis of the program found that under the old MPP rules, the total paid out under the entire program so far this year would have been $75,000 or about $3 per farmer and a net loss after premium costs. Wisconsin signed up the largest number of farmers while California enrolled the highest production volume of any state. NMPF CEO Jim Mulhern says the dairy margin coverage program has proven its worth. An enrollment into the program for 2020 begins this upcoming Monday. Now let's take a look at your opening markets on a Friday. Cash corn is at 387. That's down one and three quarters of a cent. New crop corn also down one and three quarters of a cent at 399. Cash beans are at 910 and a quarter. That's down one and a half. And new crop beans are at 924 and a quarter. That is down one and three quarters of a cent. Cash wheat is at 487 and a quarter. That's down one and a half as well. New crop wheat down one and three quarters of a cent at 494 and a half. And switching gears to dairy markets right 
Right now, butter is at 218 and a half. That's up one and a quarter. Black cheddar's at 202. That is up two. And cheddar barrel is up one at 177. And as for those milk prices, right now, October milk is sitting at 1844. That is down four. And November milk is at 1837. That is up five. Remember, continued dairy coverage, not just on the radio, but on our Facebook page as well. That is Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook. And for the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. We hear you. You need a new bathroom. Ganser Company is proud to introduce 80 Years and 80 Minutes. Simply put, you need real information and pricing so you can make a good decision and spend your precious time with your family and friends, not contractors failing to call you back, taking weeks to get you an estimate, or the high-pressure sales pitch you dread. Our 80 Years of Hindsight for 80 Minutes of Your Time. We give you the skinny in 80 minutes to make an educated decision. Bath Planet Acrylic Tubs and Showers are the only bath systems that have the good housekeeping seal of approval. What that means is no more scrubbing grout lines, unsightly stains, leaky faucets, or using harsh chemicals. No more hiding your outdated and maybe embarrassing bathroom. So call today, 608-222-1243, or stop into our showroom and see the Bath Planet experience. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. It's that simple. Dancer, that's the answer. No one works harder to help you achieve your goals. We know how challenging and rewarding farming and this way of life can be. You won't find financial experts with more ag knowledge and deeper rural roots. Your friends, family, and neighbors at Compere Financial have your back. As proud partners of the pork industry, we're here for you and join you in celebrating National Pork Month in October. Learn more at Compere.com. Trademarks of Compere Financial, an equal credit opportunity lender. Did you suffer a loss from the recent wind or hailstorm only to be let down by your current insurance company? When other companies offer you only one solution, Madison's Prairie Land Insurance Agency offers you a wide array of personalized, affordable options. Is your current policy really the best? Talk to Prairie Land Insurance Agency, your local, independent, home and auto insurance agency. For your free insurance review, call 251-3009, Prairie Land Insurance Agency. Our best is the very least we can do. If you've ever driven a tractor, you're her friend. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Well, it definitely looks like we may have some challenges again this year when it comes to the harvest. What kind of quality of seed do we have out there right now waiting to be harvested? It's time for an update with our Wisconsin Soybean Growers, brought to you courtesy of the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board. And remember, as always, encourage you to get involved with the association. It not only helps to guide how research dollars are being spent here in the state of Wisconsin to impact your fields, your yields, it also is about uh, trying to help the consumers stay engaged with what you're doing on the farm. You can jump online, coolbean.info, a great resource spot, and you can also look for the Wisconsin Soybean Board website as well. Dr. Damon Smith, our University Extension Plan pathologist is in studio with us. Well, here we go again, Damon. I mean, we had some exceptionally warm, dry weather toward the end of September, and then all of a sudden, flip of a switch, temperatures changed, cloudy overcast skies, and uh, showers back in the forecast for extended periods of time. Before we got this weather change, what had you been noticing as far as uh, disease in the fields? We've been talking all year long about monitoring for white mold, monitoring for some of the other diseases. What has reared its ugly head as the most talked about in your circles? 
Yeah, I'd say within the last two to three weeks, uh, a lot of the questions that have been coming in have been uh, in regards to sudden death syndrome. We've seen uh, quite a few uh, fields now show up, especially in the southern third of the state uh, with with sudden death syndrome. And just trying to tell the difference between sudden death syndrome and brown stem rot, uh, I'd say the majority of the samples that we get in, you know, when when folks are trying to tell the difference, I'd say 90% of those were indeed confirmed for, for sudden death syndrome. So folks need to definitely pay attention to that one. What does it look like just from, uh, from I don't know, uh, from the end rows? What, what does it look like? Yeah, as these beans start to uh, move into maturity, uh, you'll notice that, uh, you know, we call this intervenal chlorosis. So it's just a fancy word that means the, the leaves look like they're turning yellow and they get some uh, browning around the leaf vein. That's probably the most common symptom to see. The trouble is, is there's a lot of diseases that do that, right? So the key really is to get down, pull some plants, uh, and then cut all the way from the taproot all the way almost to the top of the stem you know all the way through you want a cross section there and take a look at what's going on if you got uh browning in the middle of the pith up in the mid part of that stem that's uh, pretty diagnostic for brown stem rot uh, with sudden death syndrome you don't get any browning way up into the top part of that stem but you do get some um, uh, browning or grayish uh discoloration down in the in the taproot and a lot of times there won't be any fine roots left with sudden death syndrome so what does this mean if I've, if I've detected it? I can't really do too much now. What do I have to do as far as approaching it for the harvest? Yeah, I think the best thing is take your time, get a get a good diagnosis so you know exactly what you're dealing with, so you're sure you got sudden death syndrome versus brown stem rot. And with either one of those diseases, it's going to be, number one is going to be varietal selection. So take some time. You know, we're all looking at variety catalogs right now. We're making our decisions for 2020. I think it would take it's good to take some time just to look at what the ratings are on some of those varieties. We're seeing with sudden death syndrome now, we're seeing some pretty good ratings uh, against sun dust syndrome. So I think just taking some time there can really help. Uh, now we've got some pretty good data with seed treatments. We worked with Sean Conley uh, over the last few seasons uh, using a Levo uh, seed treatment uh, against sun dust syndrome too. The price point, you know, that, that might add a, a little bit of cost to the seed treatment. Um, you know, if you put that particular treatment on, be sure that it is sun dust syndrome because, it, you know, the efficacy there uh, is going to be targeted towards sun dust. So if you're going to spend that kind of money, make sure you, you get that good diagnosis. But those are pretty much the, the two things that you're really going to be looking at to do that have probably the greatest impact in reducing severity. Let me ask you, last year we ran into this same kind of problem. It was a, a difficult harvest because of all the moisture. How does that impact what we end up with? I mean, we're basically telling people try to go when you can go this year because we don't want to end up with fields of, of beans standing remaining. But what does that cause us to have to deal with, aside from high expense on drying the beans to bin quality, what else does it do and what else do we have to kind of be mindful of going into the seed purchasing? Yeah, we learned a valuable lesson uh, last year in that, you know, if we if we get into this rainy pattern and these uh, these soybeans, you know, get wet and dry and get wet and dry, we can have uh, some organisms move in. Fomopsis seed decay is a, is a real good example here. And you get moldy seed. Uh, we had poor germination of uh, seed beans last year uh, because of this situation. I think, you know, that was sort of a warning for us looking at this year. Hopefully we don't get into a pattern like that. But if we do, I think it's going to be really important for folks to, if they can get that window of opportunity to get in there and get those beans off, 
you know, go ahead and take it because you just don't know when the next time you're going to be able to get in, you know, and, and having those beans standing there, you know, seed quality could be an issue again this year if we get locked into another one of these patterns. Yeah. I, and it just makes me cringe. Now, we haven't talked about the, the headline from last year, and that's white mold, but you said that there have been phone calls into your office. Where has that uh, shown up this year so far, Damon? Yeah, the heavier white mold uh, uh, issues have been in the, in the northern tier of the state, as you might expect, and so we have looked at some fields uh, uh, with some higher uh, levels of severity. I would say that it's... Um, you know, it's 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 spottier uh, uh, than than in some years past, but in those fields where we have had, um, you know, diagnoses, it, it is at higher severity levels. I think a lot of that is is again related to genetics. Here, we, I, you know, we've had a big transition into, you know, dicamba resistant beans uh, over the last couple of seasons, and and we just don't have the history out there to know what the what the true white mold resistance ratings are in some of these varieties. And so, I, I think we're learning as we go uh, on some of those varieties but you know again do a little homework know what your varieties were if you're seeing heavier white mold in some fields versus others you know it could be related again to that varietal resistance and make some make some choices as you're making selections this winter now as far as movement from field to field uh, stem rot uh, any of that does that come with me in the combine or, or how you know i'm trying to be proactive here so i don't have to deal with all of it again next year don't need to move it to another field yeah really good point we just shot a, a quick video kind of uh, what to do at, at harvest time here especially uh, considering white mold and and one of the biggest things we tell people to, to do is make sure you know what the various uh you know, whether it's in a field, what the very severity levels are from one field to the next, start with fields that don't have any white mold and work your way to the most severe fields. Uh, if you don't want to clean a combine between every single field, yeah. because those little uh, sclerotia, those little rat turd looking objects can get caught in a, in a combine. And that's a great way to move white mold from one field to the next. Yeah. And uh, kind of remember that if you're having a custom operator or sharing the equipment with the neighbors or counting on them to help you out, conversation that you want to have before that combine starts to roll. Dr. Damon Smith, University Extension Plant Pathologist in studio with us and obviously out in Wisconsin fields, keeping an eye on these uh, diseases that just keep showing up year after year. Now, if anybody out there can tell me what the weather is going to be like for the next two weeks, we could probably do another 45 minutes on how to handle the soybean crop of 2019. But as it stands right now with the weather patterns we're dealing with try to harvest with you with what fields you can when you can and then just uh, monitor that seed quality and like he said if you've got more questions coolbean.info has a great resource badgercropdoc.com also a great resource area and don't forget about the wisconsin soybean association website as well that is your update from the field with our friends from the wisconsin soybean marketing board this is the farm report with pam yonke 